to Psalm 23 again tonight. Psalm 23, and we've been going through, I believe this is the 10th message out of Psalm 23, and we, I believe we have maybe two or so messages to go. Tonight we're back in verse number 5, and the Bible says here, Thou preparest a table before me, we looked at this last week, in the presence of mine enemies. And tonight we come to, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Notice it doesn't just say my cup runs over. It says it runneth over. When I look at this verse here, God, I really believe, doesn't want us as Christians to live in spiritual poverty. We talked about that this morning, living on the victory side of life, enjoying the Christian life. And I really believe Psalm 23, God shows us here that the Lord's design for his children is for us to live in what I would call the overflow. My cup runneth over. We'll talk a little bit about this, but I, I, I like the thought that I see here in verse number five, how he anointeth our head with oil and my cup runneth over. Now, this anointing of the head, in the Bible, many times you see it's a, it's a beautiful picture of love, sometimes courtesy, even other times you see it's a beautiful picture of kindness. There were a couple times in the life of the Lord Jesus, one of those in your notes, Matthew 26, where Jesus comes, notice he was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. Remember the criticism from the disciples, what a waste. You know, of course, not thinking of the moment, not thinking what this woman had done, but when I think about what she did, I, I really believe that this woman, she understood that Jesus was about to give his life for her life and for the sins of the world. He was about to suffer, to bleed, and to die for all mankind. And hers was one of those acts that we find in the Bible. It was an act of kindness. It was an act of courtesy. It was really something that amazed those that were in the house. No one else had thought about that. And as we look at this, how she poured this on his head, she did that as Christ entered the house. We've been going through this psalm. And if you look at the last verse that we're going to get to, part of it next week, notice the Bible says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And notice how it ends. And I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. See, we're getting to the place where we're coming into the house. None of us know how much longer we're going to be on this earth. I pray that everybody here tonight knows for sure 
that heaven will be their home someday. Truth is, if you're saved, according to the Bible, heaven's already your home. The Bible says we're already seated in the heavenlies. There was a lady that's been visiting with her son and daughter-in-law for the past couple weeks. She lives in Texas, and she was here again this morning. She raised her hand when I extended an invitation that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, and she raised her hand. I talked to her after the service, and I said, I saw you raised your hand. I said, can I ask you a little bit about that? We began to talk, and she began to tell me how she had done that on numerous occasions. So we talked a little bit more because many people, maybe some of you, have done that. You've prayed that prayer not once, not twice, but many times. And I asked her, and I was very kind about it. I wanted her to understand the Bible. I said, how many times did Jesus die for the sins of the world? And she said, once. I said, so that's what the Bible says. He died once. I said, so how many times do you think you need to be saved? She kind of looked at me a little bit, and she says, well, I suppose once. I said, that's right. Because when you put your faith in Christ, according to the Bible, he gives you everlasting life. I said, how long is everlasting? She said, it's forever. I said, did you save yourself? And she goes, no. I said, God saved you. God's the one that gave you everlasting life. So if God gave it to you, and it's everlasting, you can't lose it. She just got this smile on her face. I said, now the reason I'm saying this to you is because if we live our lives thinking that if I get saved and I do something wrong, then I need to get saved again, you're never going to live a victorious life. I said, so I, I just want you to know that if you really meant what you prayed this morning, that you're saved. I said, where would you go? And she said, heaven. I said, she goes, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I wanted her to know. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. See, man wants to keep us at check. Man wants to always have something on us to where we have to do this, we have to do this. Why? Christ paid it all. Every last thing that is needed for salvation has already been done, taken care of at Gethsemane. And so when I look at this verse tonight and I think about this act of this woman and how as Christ entered into the house, folks, look, we're about to enter into the house of the Lord forever. And listen, when we get to heaven, wouldn't it be awesome that you and I would have the wonderful fragrance of Jesus when we get there? When I look at this passage tonight, I see two things that I really believe will be a help to us as we approach the Lord's table in just a short amount of time here. And I want you to see, first of all, from verse number five, the oil. The oil of the anointing, as it says here, thou anointest my head with oil. Now, this matter of anointing with oil, remember the context here. This psalm begins with, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. And we are his what? Sheep. Now, we talk at various times throughout the last many weeks about how really dumb sheep are, how they wander off, everyone goes his own way, and how 
many times sheep would find themselves in briars and thicket and thorns and so on. They get scrapes and bruises. So many times what the shepherd would do is they might get a scrape on their head and he would take some oil and he would apply it to the head of that sheep to bring about healing. David writes here, thou anointest my head with oil. Now this really goes back to, notice here in Exodus chapter 29, the Bible says in verse 21, thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his son with him and he shall be hallowed and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. And there's two words in that verse that I want you to pay attention to. The first word that I want you to see is the word blood. The second word I want you to pay attention to is the word oil. Blood and oil. You see, Aaron here represents the priest or the priesthood of the day. And before the priest, this is Bible, before they could make an offering to the Lord, according to the word of God, they had to be sprinkled with blood and they had to be anointed with oil. Are you with me so far? So what the Bible teaches about the priesthood in the Old Testament, that they had to be sprinkled with blood, Exodus 29, 21, they had to be anointed with oil. And when you think about New Testament and you and I, before we, like the priest, can go before the Lord, guess what? We have to be sprinkled by the blood and anointed with oil. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about here? Well, look, we have to come to the place in our life, just like I spoke to that woman this morning, just like I did 35, 36 years ago, we have to have a time in our lives that we have placed our trust, our faith, our confidence in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way. You want to go to heaven? Then you need to make sure that you get under the blood. And as we think about what he's saying here in Exodus 29, 21, that listen, Jesus died for our sins and we must recognize that Jesus tasted death for every man, for every woman, every boy, every girl. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, notice what he said in chapter 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, the blood of Jesus. People want, for years have wanted to take the blood out. But the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. You see, we need to understand and recognize this sacrifice by Jesus, the Son of God. Why? Because we're all guilty sinners and we all deserve to die a death and be separated from God for all eternity. That's what we deserve. But when I think about the songwriter, I think he put it pretty good. 
He wrote in his song, I must needs go home by the way of the cross. Because he says there is no other way. Jesus is the way. And when you and I, when we get saved at the moment of salvation, when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that as we trust him, according to the Lord Jesus himself, we receive a gift at that time. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. We live in a wonderful time where the Holy Spirit of God is with us. Every Jesus said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always, even under the end of the world. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit of God is the one that we receive. And when you look in the Bible, not always, but many times, oil is a symbol, it is a type, a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And when we approach the Lord, as the Old Testament priest Aaron did, when we come before the Lord, we don't do it on our own merits. Why? Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. But we come in the merits of Jesus. You see, we can approach God because we're not only covered by his blood, but also that we've been anointed by his spirit. In the Old Testament, the priest, the Bible would say, not only the priest, but the tabernacle were anointed with this anointing oil. Look at Exodus 30 and verse 25. Thou shalt make an oil of holy ointment, an ointment composed, a compound after the art of the apothecary, it shall be a holy anointing oil. Now what was neat about this oil, after the art of the apothecary, is that there was a sweet fragrance that would go forth from this oil. And you read that even in the New Testament when Jesus was anointed, that the fragrance filled the room. You know, you think about that. I, I can't hardly... Uh, when, when we're out, and there's a few stores, or like when we're going through a department store, I can't walk past the perfume section in the store. I'm telling you, 50 different perfumes, it just, my mind just goes, I just, I can't take all the, the, the mixture of the perfume. Some of those stores where you go in, the ladies like them, they've got all these knickknacks and all these different things. Uh, Hobby Lobby's not too bad, but but there are some other stores that, man, you go in there and I just get an instant headache from the smell. But this holy anointing oil, from what I've seen and studied, there was a sweet fragrance that would come from this. It would permeate the air. And because, think about this, because God has, has saved us, he has washed us clean by the blood of his own dear son, that in our lives, because we are clean by God, that there should be a sweet fragrance that comes from our lives, especially as we live in this lost world. Not only has God saved us, but here's another great thing from the Word of God is He has placed us in Him, in the Lord Jesus. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, because it's the work of the Holy Spirit, listen to me now, that we are a part of His body. The Bible says here in verse 12 of chapter 12, For as the body is one and hath many members. I, look here, you know what I'm looking at right now? 
not all of the, the Bible Baptist Church, the body that we have here is Bible Baptist Church. There are others that are watching us and some that are not able to tonight. But think about this. The Bible says there are many members but one body. And here's what it says. Look on. All the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. It's not more than one. There's one Spirit, just like there's one Lord. And as we look at this tonight, we think about the, the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, how the Holy Spirit of God, we have been placed in Him, and the Holy Spirit anoints us to, to be able to, to do things, to live the Christian life. When God anoints us, as He does when we are saved, He anoints us with His Spirit, the Bible says. What does that anointing do for us? It enables us to live the Christian life. Just like it helped the sheep. When maybe there was something that wasn't right and the shepherd would lovingly take that oil and anoint the head of that sheep so that that sheep could continue to live a, a normal life, the life that God intended. And when God gives us his spirit, listen, that's a gift from God. And remember, those spiritual gifts, that's not what the message is about tonight. But as God gives his spirit to us, then we receive those spiritual gifts, those pneumaticos. Why? So that we can encourage and edify those around us. The Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. And when I think of this anointing, listen, it's for every Christian. God has given us His Spirit. All of God's children have God's Spirit living within them. Every last one of us. And that's why it's so important as you think about this passage that thou anointest my head with oil. Look, all of us are under the blood of Jesus Christ, and all of us are indwelled by God's Holy Spirit. And when I think of the oil, thou anointest my head with oil. See, two thoughts come to my mind tonight. Do you know the Lord tonight? Because as we get ready to approach the table, the Lord's table, it's for believers, those that know Christ as their Savior. And as we do approach it, the Bible instructs us to examine ourselves, to make sure that we're right, not only with the Lord, but with others. And the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. You see, it's important that we understand, thou anointest my head with oil. But then notice secondly tonight, not only the oil, but the overflow. Because he says this thought here, my cup, my cup runneth over. You ever, you ever like me, sometimes you go somewhere and you pay for a drink and they don't fill your cup all the way up? That bothers me. I mean, I, I want it filled. I mean, I, I want it overflowing, you know. And, you know, a lot of times I see that happen, and people never say anything. It doesn't bother them. Is your Christian life 
overflowing? Or is it a couple inches from the top of the cup? Because he says, thou anointest my head with oil and my cup overfloweth. Notice the order there. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Because of everything that I just said about God knowing him as our Savior and having the Spirit of God in our lives and, and the Holy Spirit's enabling us, that's why our cup can runneth over. But a lot of God's children don't, don't misunderstand or, or take this statement wrong, but I think a lot of Christians are just content to say, well, I, I'm saved and I have the Spirit of God. Hey, praise the Lord for that. But I'm going to tell you something. God gave you His Spirit so that you can live a life that is overflowing. He says, my cup runneth over. And so let's not just consider the oil tonight. Let's consider the overflow. We need to be living in the overflow. Our Father in heaven, God wants to shower us with blessings and with gifts. The Bible says that you cannot contain it. He wants to open the windows of heaven. Listen, we have no idea. Maybe, I've heard people say, maybe one day we'll see all that we missed out on because we were not living in the overflow. But he wants to pour out his blessings. Look at Psalm 45, 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. God's given us his spirit. Watch this. He wants us to be glad people, happy people. Christians ought to have a smile on their face. Why? Because we know the Lord. Because we have the spirit of God living in us, directing us, guiding us, telling us about the Lord Jesus. The Bible says here that, that they ought to know this above thy fellows, that we're a glad, a happy people. The world should recognize God's children because there's something different about us. Many Christians, I think, what they do is they talk about almost like it's in past tense. And listen, I got saved over 35 years ago. It was past tense. But my salvation today is as real as it was the day I got saved. I just refuse to get over my salvation. You ever hear somebody say, you know, my, they might be 20, 30 years of age, some guy, and they might say, oh, he's just a big kid. I just want to be a big Christian. Never get over the fact that Jesus loved me and he gave himself for me. I want to live my life in the overflow. Hey, praise the Lord, I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit of God. But God wants us to live in the overflow. And a lot of Christians, look, they're, they're talking about how, you know, yeah, that, that happened in my life and so on. And it's almost like they've got over it. When you come to Psalm 90, 92, look at this. He says here, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed. Notice what he says here, with what? With fresh oil. He, he, look, there's no expiration on this. Fresh, why? 
Because it comes from God. This matter of fresh oil here, I mean, look, what is this that he's making reference to? I thought this when I read that is, what has the Lord done in my life recently? By the way, God wants to work in our life. I believe even tonight, God wants to work in this service. Fresh oil. When, when I study and prepare for messages and when I spend time with the Lord, look, it, it's easy to pull out something I've done before. A lot of times I, I'll say, Lord, give me something fresh. Give me something new. I'm thinking to myself, look, if I'm not going to be excited about it, Lord, then how are those that are listening, how are they going to get excited about it? Look, we all need, as the Bible says here, the Lord to do some fresh anointing in our lives, for God to do a fresh enabling in our lives, for God to give a new beginning in our lives. Say, what kind of new beginning do I need? Well, listen, in your life, maybe tomorrow would be a new day for you, a new beginning, a new opportunity. But when he says here that, listen, God wants to give us something new, he's not talking about that, that salvation. This isn't a reference to being saved because, again, once we're saved, we're always saved. We're a part of the family of God. But the Christian life, as you live it, here's what you find is that all things were passed away, and behold, how many things? All things become what? New. See, the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. I don't want to live in the past. Now, I'm not going to forget the past. There's a lot of things that God has done for me. Those things help me to realize how far God has brought me and from where he found me. But I love the new beginnings that God gives to us. Even tonight as we come, this isn't the first time we've come to the Lord's table. And as we do come to the table, listen, just like Jesus when he was with his disciples. I mean, they sat what we call the Last Supper. Jesus talked about what he was going to go through. He talked about the cup. When I think about this cup and I think about us, I really believe that you and I, we unlike the Lord, we can drink of the cup of blessing because Jesus drank of that bitter cup. The one that, listen, honestly, you and I deserve to drink from. Look what the Bible says here in Isaiah 51. Thus saith the, the Lord, uh, thy Lord, uh, thy Lord, the Lord, and thy God that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out, look at this, out of Thine hand, the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury, thou shalt no more drink it again. How is that possible? Because of Jesus. Because the judgment of God, the wrath of God has been taken away so that we would not have to uh, go through that. Jesus paid for our sin. All our sin was placed on him when he hung on the cross. We can live with our cup overflowing. Why? Because Jesus was willing to drink of the cup of bitterness. Jesus tasted death for every man. The Bible says he took that bitter cup so that you and I could drink of that blessed cup. 
And tonight, as we approach the Lord's table, listen, you and I need to think about what the psalmist is saying here. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Do you talk much to other people, maybe even unsaved people or family members or friends or co-workers about your cup overflowing? Do you share new things and new beginnings that God has given to you? God has given us a way that, that because of our cup overflowing, that we can be a blessing to other people. I mean, we can share the Lord with them. We can talk about all the things that God has done in our lives. But I'll tell you this, that a Christian that is not overflowing leaves little to be desired by an unbeliever. I mean, what person, when they see a person not living an overflowing life, would say, hey, I want that. No, they would say, why be a Christian? When I look at this situation in John 18 where Jesus was, just like many other times, trying to teach Peter something. I think Peter was a lot like me. Peter had to learn a lot of lessons. And here, Jesus is trying to teach Peter that no matter how hard we try, that we can't force people to believe. You ever been like that? You, you wish you could force someone to get saved? You wish you could force them to believe something? We can't do that. Peter tried. He tried to be persuasive. Look at this time he was trying to be persuasive. Jesus said unto Peter, put the, up thy sword into thy sheep, the cup which my father hath given me. Jesus said, shall I not drink it? Peter says, look, I, uh, Lord, I just want to be a help. I, th this person is opposing you. And Jesus says, look, Peter, this is something that I came to do. This is the will of my father. I can't avoid this. This has to be done. And as Jesus was spending time with Peter, he was telling him and telling us tonight that he was going to taste that bitter cup so that you and I, that we could enjoy a life that is overflowing. Uh, look what it says in John 7, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Do you get it? The Lord says, Peter, I, I want your life to be a life that is overflowing, that out of you, out of your belly, out of your life, comes rivers of living water. But many times our lives are just like some little trickle. Instead of water flowing out of our lives, instead of us living the overflowing life as a Christian, the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. Boy, a lot of people, they want to just put a period right after that. Right after the word life. Jesus came that we might have life. Hey, praise the Lord, he came. And because he came, we can have life. But look at the rest of the verse. Because there's not a period after the word life, there's a comma. Look at it. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more what? He says, listen, I, I just don't want them to have eternal life. I want them to have an overflowing life. 
I mean, listen, again, praise the Lord. We're saved and praise God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. But Jesus said, look, because you are saved and because you have the Spirit of God, why don't you live a life where your cup runneth over? Be excited about being a child of God. And he says here that they might have it more abundantly. The world needs to see Christians that are overflowing Christians. People that are excited. You know why people don't know what a Christian should look like or act like or speak like? It's because we are not living an overflowing life as a Christian. Look at John 15. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy, what does he say? Might be full. There it is again. Are you living in the overflow? Remember the story about the prodigal son? The Bible says that he came to his father and he basically said, I want my inheritance. I want what's coming to me. And the father, even though it broke his heart, he gave the son his substance. And the Bible says he took it and he wasted it on a wild lifestyle like so many today. But you read in the Bible here as he starts to make his way back after his life is just in ruins. He starts to come back home. He's got his thoughts all figured out. He's even got his speech rehearsed, what he's going to say. I love the fact that the father doesn't even let him finish his speech. By the way, God knows what we're going to say before we say it. And he comes back home. Here's, here's a great thought. Once you're in God's family, you're always in God's family. What, what did the son say? If I could just be like one of his hired servants. No. Because you are a son of God. A child of God. And as he comes back to his father, Luke 15, 21... The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us, let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Notice the Bible didn't say the father just gave him a robe. Gave him his best robe. The Bible doesn't say he just gave him any old calf. Gave him the fatted calf. This is my son that was lost. And here he is, he's back. See, beyond anything that this world can offer, beyond any material blessings... There is nothing greater than to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. <laughs> That's what he had there. And I think it's a shame, honestly, for God's children to have salvation, to know heaven is our home, to have the Holy Spirit of God, but to not live our lives in the overflow. You see, he said, my cup, here it is again, runneth over every day pastor you don't understand 
what I'm facing at work and what I'm going through at home. No, I may not, but he does. God says, look, I want your cup to run over. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? And I want you just to be still for a little while, if you would, as we get ready to approach the Lord's table. I just wanted to, all of us tonight, to think about this passage. Maybe you and I can say with the psalmist, Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Are you saved tonight? Are you sure of your salvation? It's not based on anything you or I can do. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You see, he loved us so much that he came. This table that we're going to distribute some elements in just a moment, they're symbolic. They represent his body, his blood. That's how much he loved us. Tonight, you see, we have been sprinkled by the blood and we've been anointed by his spirit. I wonder tonight in your life, are you content? Well, don't get me wrong. It's a great thing to be saved and to have a Holy Spirit. But he says, I want you to live your life in the overflow. My cup runneth over. Is your life like that fragrance from that holy anointing oil? Does your life have the fragrance of Jesus flowing out of it, permeating? When people are around you, they know that you're a Christian. Before we approach the Lord's table tonight, I'd like all of us to just take a moment. If you want to come to the altar, you can do that. You can make your, your seat tonight where you're at your altar. Why don't we take a few moments? And if you're saved, you should thank the Lord for your salvation. And if you are saved, you should thank God for his Holy Spirit and his enabling in your life. And if you're like many, your life probably isn't always lived in the overflow. Maybe tonight your prayer needs to be this. God, help me. Help me to think about what Jesus has done for me. And how he said, I, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. And his desire is that I would live a life that is overflowing so that others may know about him. Let's take a few moments and pray.